1: And we say that, don't we? Like when we don't have the words for something, we turn to music. And music kind of picks up the baton, right? From where our language, our wording leaves off. Because again, of its multidimensionality. And emotions are multidimensional. Let's not forget that. No one is ever experiencing, right? You know this. No one is ever experiencing one emotion at a time. We might call it that. But that's only because we're trying to simplify it to to process it or explain it. But no one's only experiencing anger. There's a whole iceberg beneath anger, right, that exists. You are listening to
2: Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 273. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami. Board Certified Pediatrician, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Physician, Certified Health and Wellness Coach, Author, Speaker, Mother, Wife, and Human Being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hey, hey, veggie lovers. Welcome to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today I have for you Murray Hittery, who is the creator of Mind Travel. And this is a super interesting conversation about music, its ability to connect and its ability to heal us. It's I just really, really enjoyed this conversation. I feel I was very intrigued about this concept. And I'm really glad that I had Murray on the show to talk about his experience and his journey. And there truly are some gems in this episode. No, we don't talk about eating plants, we don't really talk about lifestyle medicine per se, but a lot of the concepts that are discussed in this episode are things that are going to contribute to your well-being to your health and potentially to your longevity so if you're ready to stretch yourself a little bit and think about some different concepts i really encourage you to listen to this episode so let's talk about Mind travel. Mind travel is an immersive experience where music and mindfulness meet. Through music, the language of emotion, creator and composer Murray Hittery seeks to open the heart to healing and transformation with his evocative live piano compositions. Recently, the music of mind travel has also served to bring awareness and a call to action on issues like social justice and climate change. Hittery has brought my travel to iconic theaters and spectacular outdoor venues in over a hundred cities the world over. From the deserts of the Middle East to the first ever piano concert on the continent of Antarctica. Artica, Hittery seeks to bridge gaps in understanding through the universal language of music. Today, he is focused on the human experience and through mind travel, helps people better connect with themselves and one another. Murray is a composer, he is a musician, and he's a creative, and he talks about Today, what Mind travel is, how it came about, we talk about why music is so powerful, and you know, he really even gets down to the physics of it, which I found really fascinating. We talk about his process for creating music and how he conducts these concerts, which sounds amazing. We talk about pursuing a purpose-driven life and how he discovered his own purpose. We talk about the concept of radical responsibility, which I think is something that could probably help all of us for sure. And we talk about his no dream left behind philosophy, which I think is so powerful and so applicable to so many people. Overall, like I said, this is a really fascinating, very just practical episode on some of the things that you can do in your own life to improve your life and the way that you react to life, but also maybe start Using music and incorporating music in your journey and your healing and your ability to get into that meditative state as well. And so he is going to tell you how you can find out more about his concerts and where to find his music. Veggie lovers, thank you so much for being here and for being with me on this journey and some of these really interesting, kind of different episodes I'm bringing to you that I feel called to do and called to share with you. So I hope that you're enjoying them. Thank you so much for all you new listeners that are popping by. I hope that you stay a while and share some of the episodes. And of course, I have so much gratitude for all of my longtime listeners. Thank you so much for being here. And now let's welcome Murray Hittery. Murray Hittery, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to meet you and to talk about this topic because it's definitely not something that we talk about on my podcast very often, but it's something that I'm very intrigued about and I'm excited to hear more about your journey and some of your insights and wisdom that you've gained along the way. So let's start with mind travel. What is mind travel and how did it come about?
1: Well, mind travel is uh, an experience um Really that I've been doing for most of my life, uh, but it has a name to it now um, as of, you know, probably the last nine, 10 years. And it's an experience that really creates connection and healing uh, through music. And as a composer and pianist, I travel the world and create these experiences where we bring music and mindfulness together in settings of nature and community. And through that, those ingredients, we, we really transport, we aim and inspire to transport people um, and uh, give them much deeper connection uh, in life overall.
2: Murray was generous enough to provide us a sample of some of his music. So if that's something that you're interested in, please stay tuned at the end of the episode. We will be splicing it in so that you can hear his beautiful music. So I hope that you'll stay and listen to it. And then after that, go visit his website where you can find more information on how to attend one of his concerts or virtually participate in his concerts from the comfort of your own living room. That sounds beautiful. Well, how did you get the idea? How did it start?
1: well you know i uh, music was probably uh in some ways my first language uh, even before english i was about 5 years old and and um got my first instrument in my hands and and uh then the journey began from there and for me music was always a a, a very natural way to express myself um and then as you know as i grew i realized how powerful music was for self expression and to really uh, connect with our emotional state um, and beyond that. And so uh, the journey just keeps deepening and unfolding. And, you know, music is, is an experience that I think we can all relate to universally. And when I take this experience around the world, I'm able to connect with people from very different backgrounds, but with the commonality of the human experience.
2: Yeah, because music is one of those common languages that we speak, no matter what culture, where you're from, there's some sort of music, there's some sort of rhythm, it's something that we feel inside our bodies, pretty much inside our souls. You know, it's like, it's like the essence of being is music. I'm curious about your music journey, because My older son, who's 18, is very similar. Like he started making music when he was just like a toddler. He was able to get one of those little toy pianos that only has four keys and was able to replicate some songs that he was hearing and some of the little programs and shows that he was um, hearing. And I know that he was kind of born with music inside of him. But I'm wondering if there was ever a point that you noticed that you had transitioned from that childlike wonder of creating music, of hearing music, you know, making music to uh, almost being overly conscious or self-conscious about music, maybe getting perfectionistic. I'm just really curious about that because I'm not an artist in that way. So I'm wondering if you've ever felt that in your life or have you always felt like it's just been easy and free and just coming straight from your soul?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a great question. I mean, I, I think for me, the journey has been um kind of like you know kind of going to the top of a hill but then dipping down into a valley and then rising back up in this in a sense um because you know when you're when you're young you kind of you play with like you said the kind of freedom of a child and and you're exploring uh but then at some point right there's the comparative mind right and and we become aware of others and wait am I as good as the other student in the class and and uh y- you know you start to to generate these thoughts of um of you know where do I rank in terms of others uh people you know, people you encounter, and then of course there's the broader world out there and uh and and it's easy to get caught up in that kind of spiral um uh, of of thoughts and uh and that's when it's most important to kind of reconnect to the reason like why you're doing it in the first place. And, you know, until I I reconnected with that, I think there was a period of time I was kind of lost in that, like, should I even pursue this? Is, am I good enough for this? Is it, you know, is this worth pursuing? And so there was definitely a point in time of confusion. Uh, but then when I reconnected with the reason why I love music so much, right, because there's nothing for me that um, expresses and... Allows me to connect not just with my self, but with the whole universe, like music. Uh, and so, when I reconnected with that and I felt the power of it again, um, in a sense, I was kind of, you know, kind of reframed and reborn through the music. Uh, and then I was able to do it again for its own sake and for my own exploration and that childlike relationship with it. Is something i really am conscious of maintaining like to this day you know way into my adult years right and so every time i sit at the piano it is about the 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 discovery that's possible and hearing that note as if it's the first time i've ever played it
2: that's beautiful and that's so powerful and i can resonate with that on different levels, not as an artist or as a music creator, but I feel like reconnecting to our why, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, as far as purpose. I think that that's really important when we're pursuing different goals or, you know, even just play time and having fun, you know, reconnecting yeah. with that why is really important. So tell me why you think music is so powerful.
1: Well, you know, I've, been the beneficiary of the power of music um, and you know whether it was as a child who was you know a pretty shy kid and I was able to turn to music as a way to express myself uh, and connect with others most easily um, that 's where it started but then as i as I grew i got I got really into. Eastern philosophy and meditation as a teenager in my twenties and music was actually the way that I connected with those ideas, right? With this idea that, for instance, you know, all things are connected. We've all heard that. We've all said that we've all, you know, kind of played with that idea, but you know, what does it really mean? How do we actually feel that, right? What's the physical experience of that? Um, What's the embodied experience of that? And music can really, Get us right up to the edge of that and and allow us to to see and feel and experience the porousness of the boundaries of all things, right where they start to blend one into the other um, and if we start to perceive the whole universe truly as what it is, which is this infinite spectrum of vibration, right every little particle, every subatomic particle, atom molecule. Uh, is vibrating uh, and dancing throughout the universe. Um, so from the smallest to the largest, it's all vibration. And that is the physics of things. Um, those those vibrations and, and frequencies we can experience through our senses, those frequencies and vibrations we experience through measurement and instruments and tools that we make as human beings, um, and those that, my gosh, we have yet to discover. Um, and so it's it's just a, a a universe of vibration that is just truly at our at the fingertips of all of our senses. And music being a language purely of vibration, right? Right. What do we do with a violin? We 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 move the string so that it vibrates and produces this tone, which then moves and vibrates the air, right? Uh, which we then perceive as sound, and music, which then has an emotional impact on us. I mean, the fact that music even has the emotional impact on us that it does is in it itself a miracle, right? It's simply the transference of energy, right? Through mechanical waves, moving air molecules that hit our ears and get you know translated into what we perceive as music and then it has an emotional impact on us nonetheless uh so this the whole the physics of music in and of itself is miraculous uh that it even has the impact that it has you know out in the world just in the in the space around us music the, the sound does not actually exist as we perceive it in our in our minds it's just movement of molecules that's it and then it's only our translation of that movement, and the fine distinctions of movement, right, from one you know frequency to the next. I mean, minute um, differences that allow us to hear pitches and melodies and harmonies and and complexity where we're blending them together. Right, music is not linear. We don't just hear one thing at a time. Music is multidimensional. Right, we are hearing it both horizontally and vertically. So the power of music, as a language, as a as a means of communication, right, is a highly sophisticated one, right? Because with spoken language, right, we know the power of spoken language, right? We know great orators, we know great poetry, we know great novels, um, but it is linear, right? We have to, we have to put one word in front of another in order to make sense, one sentence in front of another, one paragraph, one idea. If many people start talking at the same time, we we call that uh, cacophony, confusion, noise. We can't understand it. Um, But with music, it's actually the opposite, right? We have one note in front of the other. Yes, okay, that's a melody, and that could be beautiful, and that is linear. But now we put a second melody with that, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and now we have polyphony, right? Why Bach was such a genius, and we have counterpoint, and we have harmony, and it's the interplay vertically, not just horizontally. So now we have a multi-dimensional matrix, right, of sounds, and it's not just that one plus one, you know, is two. No, it suddenly one melody plus another melody gives you something totally different, right? Greater than the sum of their parts so, somehow. And so to me, that is that is exponential power. And that's what music embodies.
2: Wow. I think I've realized you have the most important job in the world now because because you're <laughs> right. It really is a miracle, especially when you explain it that way. And I definitely take it for granted. I'm not a musician myself, but I, my life, I have to be surrounded by music. So <clears throat> even to do things like, Exercise. I can't even work out without music. Like it motivates me. It it gives me that yeah. like just this surge of energy. But one of the values that we have here at the practice is to play music. We like to have music in the waiting room, like relaxing music, so that when people, parents and their kids come in they're feeling calm you know, because kids are anxious when they come to the doctor. But we also like to have upbeat music because we like to have a fun atmosphere and we find that it makes a huge difference. I've always wondered why don't we play more music in places like this, in doctor's offices and places where people are already feeling anxious and nervous about things. So that's always been one of my values. And I appreciate it so much that you're right, that when people are able to create this for us it does feel like such a blessing in our lives to have that so thank you so much for experiencing that besides your own story as you've been doing some of this work and you created mind travel what have you witnessed thus far about the power of music to heal and transform do you have any stories that you can share with us
1: i mean there's so many um, you know i'm i'm fortunate to be able to get in front of so many thousands and thousands of people, you know, with the music that I share in the mind travel experiences, whether it's at beaches or parks or theaters. And um, inevitably afterwards, whether it's in person or people follow up with a DM in Instagram or, you know, an email, um, I'll, I'll I'll hear their anecdotes about their experience um, with the music. Um, and especially when it comes to healing, whether it's um an intense grief that they're either currently going through or, or, you know, something from the past that has not fully been processed. The music seems to uh, bring it up in the present. So it's right there with them. And then the music is able to kind of meet them where they are, right. With whatever pain they're dealing with. Right. And it could be everything from, you know, the grief of, of someone who, um, who died, it could be uh, just something uh, from the day, uh, some something stressful from the day that they're dealing with. Uh, but it becomes present. And music also triggers a lot of memory that might be um, forgotten, suppressed, uh, and, and it, it presents it, it brings it right up. And then they're able to deal with whatever comes up. And the music kind of holds that space. And the key thing is allowing them to feel whatever pain is there, right? Just kind of feel it out. And then on the other side of that, suddenly they have this release, this um, this beautiful opening that takes place. Um, so I mean, I, I've had so many people that are dealing with with grief, they're dealing with pain of different kinds, uh, both emotional and physical. And by going through the music and and it's not just any music, right? I mean, the music that takes place and that I create with mind travel, um, first of all, it's it's a long form. It's not just short pieces, one after the other. Um, it could be about an hour experience without any interruption. And, you know, the mind is so powerful that it's, you know, and it's always trying to do its thing, which is to protect us, right? So it's actually on our side, but sometimes, it, you know, it, the the brain is is doing things that actually get in our way when it thinks it's helping us um like trying to push away painful memories and thoughts and emotions because it wants us to be able to function in the present um but while that could be helpful, right? If we're out, you know, hunting in the plains of Africa, and and uh, we don't want to be distracted from from the hunt. Yes, it's it's good not to be in reverie and you know and dealing with an emotional issue at that point. Um, but you know, we live in a different day and age now, and it's it's very appropriate to have space and time to process emotions so that we can move forward and not be stuck with them. And so that's what's taking place, uh, and the longer form music allows the mind time to open up, to disarm, to put the walls down, right? And for what's needed to come up, the time to process it, integrate it and kind of feel it through, right? Without being interrupted, without being pulled out of the experience, right? By the, by the song ending and starting and that that kind of thing. So it's a very deliberate and purposeful format of a mind travel experience. Yeah, I
2: love it. I've been listening to your music uh, during my meditations, your binaural uh, tones music, yeah. and it is very beautiful. And I agree. it It's like it facilitates that ability to get into that space where you can let go. Because I think sometimes right. that human part of us is like so stuck in the present and so stuck in the material that we need something to kind of let us like, okay, you can let go just, you know, focus on this and, and let things process. So that's really, really beautiful. So speaking of process, what is the process that you use as a creator to create and compose music? And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough, or eating enough vegetables. Afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet? I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters overeating, and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash Book, and now back to the episode.
1: So you know my process. Um, you know there's there's work that I do compose, meaning write it all out. Uh, but that's not the 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 piano music that I play in my concerts. When I when I get up on stage and uh, I play at Mind Travel concert, it's actually. All extemporaneous, it's all a real time composition it's all improvised in the mind travel language that i've created as as a composer and so, from the first note to the last note, i'm not really sure where it's going to go, and that is my own practice, you know in that way, and so that's what makes it exciting for me um and it's my practice in the sense that it keeps me fully in the present moment with the music. Um, It's kind of like, you know, surfing on that wave and just being with it the whole time as the music moves and it wants to go this way or that way. And, and it's, it's, it's my practice to stay with it and to kind of partner with the sound um, and see kind of which way it wants to wind down the river. Um, From there, I actually record all of those and I then go back and listen to it, and I'll take the parts that were most powerful, and then I'll actually turn those into larger orchestral compositions, um, and and use that as the raw material, right, for some of the bigger compositions um, that I write. So that this way, the larger compositions have that organic uh, nature to them because they were they were you know created from a, a very spontaneous moment uh so that that's the process that i that i go through and um it it just it works really really well um and it's uh it's always exciting for me because i'm never playing the same thing twice
2: that's so so cool i love that you're able to use your concerts as inspiration for then, composing, but before you start one of these live concerts, are you ever afraid that it 's not going to work out? <laughs> like oh, this is going to be the time that I mess up or that I, I i don't know what to do next
1: you know when i when I first started mind travel, uh, I truly was plagued by exactly that um and and you know not just right before I went on stage but for weeks before a big event uh big concert i I, i'd feel like a um like a like a like a pressure in my like solar plexus like uh tension right and uh, you know it was like an anxiety building up now of course once the day came and i you know and i went out on stage you know as a professional i did my thing and and it all worked out but i i just didn't enjoy the the stress and anxiety leading up to it um, all the more so because what I was creating was supposed to alleviate that, and I said, "Well, I got to really address that. What's going on under the hood there? Is it just a normal, like you know, kind of every every performer has that, or is there something deeper?" And uh, I actually worked with a with a wonderful um, a therapist, um, kind of like a combination of hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, very talented, and and we we kind of went in in the session. To really uncover what was under the hood. And it it turns out it was as simple as my subconscious not wanting me to to be in a dangerous position, right, where I might be embarrassed, make a mistake or anything like that. Um, but I then dialogued with that subconscious part of me. And it was kind of like talking to a five-year-old, in a sense, right? There's there's these subconscious parts of us that are programmed as five-year-olds, and they never change, but they're in us, so, you know, somehow. And so I dialogued with this kind of five-year-old part of me that just wanted me to stay home and play, right? And uh, and not go out to a dangerous place. And I said, well, okay, assuming that I don't make a mistake and everything's going to be okay, and I won't be embarrassed. What would you want from me? You know, what what do you want for me, for us in life? And then, of course, you know, this part of me was like, no, I want you to shine and I want you to share and I want you to be fully expressed and all that. And by this reframing, it was like talking that part of me off the ledge and being like, it's all going to be fine. And also realizing, you know, once you go through, right, the the most challenging and painful, um, you know, experiences in life, right, like all of us will go through something really challenging that just... Um, puts us in the direct confrontation with something existential. Then we start realizing, you know, what really matters and how insignificant the smaller things, you know, really are. And so, so what if I make a mistake? You know, that's what I asked myself, like, what, who cares? Right. In, In a way it could be charming. And then it's like, what do I do with that mistake? And can I, you know, can I, Shift that into something else. And so all of that anxiety, actually, I was able to transform that, transmute that into what actually is the energy underlying anxiety, which is actually excitement. Um, excitement and anxiety are, are cut from the same cloth. And suddenly, I stopped feeling that pressure in my solar plexus. And I was able to get up on stage. In the weeks leading to it, I was actually filled with excitement. And of course, as long as I prepare and as long as I'm taking care of myself, then uh, the performance should go great. And it turns out that they all do. <laughs> I love that. And even if I make a little mistake here or there, it's not a problem.
2: Well, the majority of us wouldn't be able to tell anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. we're not musicians. Do you ever feel like you're... Do you get like in a meditative state or do you feel like you're channeling something whenever you're playing these concerts?
1: You know, that's a it's a question that especially at the concerts in the Q&A afterwards everyone asks like what are you thinking when you're when you sit down and when you're playing? And for me, the main thing I try to do when I sit down is like how do I get out of my own way as quickly as possible? Right? All the swirling thoughts right? The whole monkey mind that we all have and is kind of constantly chattering away, Um, you know, especially right before a concert, like, okay, is, is everybody here? Is, uh, is everyone comfortable? Is the lighting good? Is the temperature good? Is the you know, it's like all the logistical things for a concert, you know, that's all chattering away. And then when I sit down, it's like, how can I clear all that, put it aside to just be with the music and for that reason, I actually, I actually start each concert the same way. So first of all, right before I come on stage, I do some very simple breathing and physical movements to kind of get myself in it. You know, it's as, as sophisticated as our brains and bodies are, they're easily hacked, right? Like we can easily manipulate our own system. Um, you know it 's like that classic example of if you stand in front of the mirror and you you know make a big gesture right a big open you know macho kind of gesture right like a big gorilla you know uh it turns out it yes it actually does make you feel more confident and and studies have shown that it 's it 's ridiculous but it 's true um and so our systems are hackable are manipulatable. Uh, so why not use that to our advantage? and And I do that kind of thing, um, you know, before I get out on stage, and it allows me to kind of push some of the nonsense aside and to just have the energy and the focus. And then when I sit on that bench, I don't rush into it. I take my time, I sit there sometimes for. 20 seconds, 30 seconds before I do anything and just let the room settle and let the energy settle. And then when I feel the quality of the silence that's just right, right? You know, what you start to learn as a musician and as a performer is like, not all silence is the same. (laughs) It's like, there's different qualities of silence and you can tell, you can feel it. And when I feel that the silence is ripe and ready, and it's a silence of anticipation, excitement, it's a silence of possibility, right? That's what's sitting there. Then I'll start the first note. And I always start with one resounding note that I hit and I let ring. And it's kind of like, the bell at the beginning of a meditation, perhaps, it's kind of like um, a church bell, right? That you'll hear on a Sunday. It, and And that the purpose of it, I think the intention of it is to call our attention to the present moment, right? I think that's what both of those examples do, right? At the beginning of a meditation or the church bell is like, it's it's now, it's, it's right now. And let's come together right now. And then from there, the music starts to move. Right. But now I've cleared the space and I'm with it. And now it's just my job to stay on the train and hopefully keep everybody on the train with me. And so, and so that, that's, that's how I approach it. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, that sounds really incredible. I can't wait to go to one of your concerts. I, and I, yeah, I, even before you said it, I could sense that what you were thinking like that moment where that's pregnant with anticipation where you can feel everybody's energy like okay, we're ready, we're ready. We're paying attention, yeah. we're listening. What's what's coming? You know, I could I could totally. feel that inside my soul what that feels like. That's amazing. But I love what you said. How do I get out of my way as quickly as possible and that applies to so much in life right because we do we have this chatter all the time you can't do this you're not good enough you know um this is wrong this is wrong it's not going to work out you know like get that out and just do the thing you know just go do the thing that you want to do because you know you want to do this it's you were born to do this, right? And so a lot of us have this, we're born to do these things. We want to do it, but we have all of this mental chatter that's holding us back and not allowing us to pursue that. So that brings me to my next question is why should we pursue a purpose-driven life? And how did you discover your own purpose? Cause to me, it really seems like you are living a purpose-driven, driven life.
1: Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's like the sayings, right. Um, you know, if you do what you love, right. You never work a day in your life. Now I work really hard, uh, but it doesn't feel that way, you know, and um, it, it truly doesn't like, I, I can't wait for, you know, the proverbial Monday morning. Right. Um turns out I work more on weekends cause I do concerts, but anyway, <laughs> so, but, but, but the, the, like, I just can't wait for You know, I go to sleep and I'm excited to sleep and rest and I love my sleep. And then when I open my eyes, like I'm just so grateful that like I'm alive and I can't wait to see what unfolds in this day because there's so much that is I I can't predict, right? The phone call I get, the email that comes in you know, for requesting a concert here or there or or different opportunities that arise uh, simply because of the nature, you know, of what I do. And and that's just filled with so much excitement. Um, but u- ultimately, like we said earlier, right, it, it just boils down to that, the notion of why. Like, why do we do something in the first place? And, you know, I think that for most people, they're really not... Um, tethered to that. Uh, doesn't mean that there isn't a why. Um, There always is a why, but some people are just not actually conscious of it. It does take quite a bit of work to figure out why we do the things we do. And I say there's always a why because there's always a wound, okay? And what I mean by that is that we all were children. We all grew up. We all were around caretakers, parents, grandparents, teachers, whoever it was. And people are human. And in the interactions with other human beings, there's always going to be miscommunication. There's always going to be misunderstanding. And that's in the best of circumstances. I'm not even talking about the unfortunate circumstances of abuse and trauma and things like that, which which are horrific and horrible um, and happen, right? So the spectrum, right, from the worst childhood to the best possible childhood, right, is still going to be filled with woundings, simply because a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, with a limited development of their brain and emotional capacity will interpret the world in the way they interpret it. And it's not as an adult interprets it. It's as a four-year-old interprets it. So it will always be flawed. And so, and what a child tends to do is to personalize it. Because they are the center of the universe. And understandably so. And so if anything happens around them that has some combination, right, of pain and confusion as to why that pain exists. So like, for instance, if you fall down on your bicycle learning to ride, it's painful, but there's not a lot of confusion around it because you you clearly understand the cause and effect, right? But if your parents divorce, as an example, and you're feeling that, that pain and you really have no idea why, right? You're not privy to all the behind the scenes of that. So you personalize it and you blame yourself, right? That's a very common example. And now you're going to carry forward, right, that wounding. And it has to be compensated in some way. It will have its effect. And most likely, the things that become valuable to you, right, will be tied to that. So that's why I I talk about this. The why and the wound, right, is is so tied together because what we make important for us is really about this notion of trying to make ourselves whole and heal ourselves from the wounding that we either consciously or subconsciously you know are aware of and um, and that's that's a big part of this journey of life, but the more work we do to connect with kind of why do I value connection, right? For instance, that's one of my personal um, core values. And that's because as a kid, I really didn't feel connected. I felt disconnected. Um, I I felt unrelated, unrelatable. I I really felt isolated. Um, Again, that was my emotional experience. It was actually not my physical experience. My physical reality was anyone looked in from the outside, it was a wonderful childhood. But it doesn't matter that my my personal experience of it was one of of tremendous disconnection, and so connection became something I sought I sought out, uh, whether it was through music or through Eastern ideas which were wonderful, um, through books, through all kinds of modalities, and now it's no coincidence that at the core of mind travel right, is about connecting people through music. Wow. Right? And and that's a big part of my why. And I could trace it all the way back to, you know, a five-year-old. Me. And so um, we all have that. And they don't have to be super fancy, like you know, super sophisticated. right? We all are human, and we all have very common experience, even if our details are different, right? And that's what's so fascinating. Like none of us will have the same details, right? The same specifics. Um, but we we have the same kind of common emotional arcs in our in our journey. Um and that's why music becomes so powerful and relatable because it is the language of emotion, right? We try to express emotions with words, but the more intense the emotion, the more words fail and fall short. And we say that, don't we? Like when we don't have the words for something, we turn to music. And music kind of picks up the baton, right? From where our language, our wording leaves off. Because again, of its multidimensionality, and emotions are multidimensional. Let's not forget that. No one is ever experiencing, right? You know this. No one is ever experiencing one emotion at a time. We might call it that, but that's only because we're trying to simplify it to, to process it or explain it, but no one's only experiencing anger. There's a whole iceberg beneath anger, right? That exists lots of emotions in there that would need to be parsed out but we kind of label our emotions one at a time but they're not linear and they're not experienced uniquely one at a time they're complex they're a ball um, that that needs to be untangled especially when they become really intense, like, you know, like going through intense grief that will have anger in it, will have res- resentment in it. It could have guilt in it. It could have regret in and all kinds of stuff can be loaded in there, you know? So, um, so that's, that's where it becomes so powerful to, to bring awareness to these deeper layers of our experience. Right? This is not the surface. We're not talking here about the superficial layer of human experience. Um, even if emotions seem obvious on the surface, uh, there's, a, there's a lot underneath there. And music can help us unpack that and, and feel that and experience it and, and understand ourselves better. Um, and that's how we, we relate to others better. And suddenly you, you feel a deeper connection. It's not a coincidence, right? I and mean, there's a real reason, there's a mechanics to this. Uh, of why it, why it works this way.
2: Yeah. That's super fascinating. I never really thought of exactly how you explained it about having that pain and confusion being kind of the catalyst of our purpose in life and and the things that we seek out and desire in life, but it makes a lot of sense and I you know, in the health space, I work with a lot of other people that are in the health space. And and you do hear that you this was triggered by this one thing that happened to That's me right. when I was young, like this person died of this disease. And I didn't know why they got that. And then I started doing all this research. And I found this and I want to help other people <laughs> with that, you know, so it's, yeah. um it it, you're right, it really does. It's kind of like this thing that happens that causes this big, strong emotion right. that leaves you searching for answers and then you want to spread that to other people but yeah i love how you said music is the language of emotion and that word multi-dimensionality it's it's true and it's um it's just so beautiful hey humans i know you want to eat healthier but feel strapped for time and even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out well have you considered trying a meal kit service Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low added sugar and sodium smart options. You get to choose from 80-plus flavor-packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15-plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house. They also provide the recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make. It's a delicious, fresh, home-cooked meal without the hassle. What I love the most about Green Chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking. The recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included so even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home-cooked meal. It's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring! And time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So, if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash IAMHUMAN50 and use the code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient dense green powder called Daily NutriGreens. Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutrigreens greens and we loved it. The Daily Nutrigreens greens contain an immune, antioxidant, and detox blend along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients such as B12, iron, zinc, and selenium. The Daily Greens are certified organic and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The daily NutriGreens are vegan, gluten free, and non GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the Apple Banana Daily Nutra greens I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste, and I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink, integrate it into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time. Time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's Daily Nutri Greens, head to myeq.com and use code Doctor Yami. That's D R Y A M I for 15% off Equilibria's Daily Nutri Greens and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Doctor Yami D R Y A M I at checkout for 15% off site wide today Lately, and I've talked about this a few times, I don't know, for some people, this might be weird, but I've gotten really into watching testimonials about near-death experiences. I don't know if you've ever read or listened Mm. to any of these, but they have a lot of commonalities. And one of the things, one of the themes that I hear over and over again is when people end up in this space where they're having this experience, a lot of people hear music but it's indescribable. Same thing for colors. They're indescribable. Like they'll say, there's no way for me to be able to explain to you what it sounded like or what it looked like, because there's no human language that exists to explain it. And, um, So I think that we can get pretty close and this beautiful music that we can create. We're getting close to some of those feelings, but it probably doesn't even scratch the surface of what it is in the true reality. Right. So, all right. Next question for you. What is radical responsibility? This is a very interesting concept.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's something that probably one of the most important moments for me is when it happened at, it happened in my 20s um when you know in in my 20s in order to kind of kind of figure out how to pay the bills and all that i was like how am i going to make money with classical music it was <laughs> it was not clear what it, what i'm doing now it was not clear then that's a 20 something and you know i i uh, along with my older brother uh we got into the technology world and we were building uh, technology company, and we we, we were figuring it out as we went, and it was just a wild, wild west time, right for for technology, as it seems to always be, um, as it is now again, and and I, you know, things would always happen that would be real problems, you know, and and oftentimes it was easy to be like, I can't believe that that. Person did this, and this person did that. And why didn't they do their job there? Why did they do their job there? It's like one thing after another. And it, it became so easy, right, in a business context to constantly blame other people, right, for things not working. Um, and it almost felt obvious in that way. And, and then I realized, I said, how is, how is blaming others really going to get me where I need to go you know, for this company, right? Now, yes, of course, we have to hold people accountable. Uh, but at the end of the day, right, I felt it was my responsibility, right? I had to take responsibility for moving things forward and getting to where we wanted to go. And and then, and, and, and it started working, right? It started to really, right, the results really shifted. Um, and so then I applied that to my personal life, right? To my emotional life. And there again, right? How easy is it? How tempting Mm -hmm. is it to point the finger, right? At others and say, I can't believe that person said that. I can't believe that person did this to me. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. And we're constantly offended and we're constantly complaining and we're constantly right and righteous and all of it. And where does it actually get us? right? And we have so much evidence for it, right? No, but look, it's true. Look what they did. Look, look what they said. And ultimately, the same thing, right? Like like the company, like in in the business world, like where's that actually going to get you? And so I applied the same ideas there. And suddenly, I was able to move forward in a very empowered way and saying, look, this is my life we're talking about right? I want to feel happy and fulfilled and all those things. So if I let all those things hold me back, right? Because it seems to be the case that that was, you know, and now suddenly I'm handing my power over to other people, right? If somebody says something or does something, and now I'm in a bad mood, I'm in a a state that doesn't feel good, right? I've actually let their action whether they said something or did something, affect me in a way that is not how I actually want to be. And so I've now handed over all my power to this person. And, and suddenly I'm not feeling good. And now I have to, you know, sit with this uncomfortable, painful feeling. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so what what this notion of radical responsibility states, and the reason why it has the word radical in front of it, it doesn't have to, but it just to drive the point home, right? That we may not be responsible, right? For the actions of others, but we are wholly responsible for our reactions to it. And we are wholly responsible for our lives, right? That our life, is not the responsibility of any other human being. Now, just that sentence alone is actually not the reality for many people, right? Many people don't even have that belief. They might say, no, it's 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 my family's responsibility to, to make sure that I'm happy. It's no, it's my friends or something. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying what works, right? You know, ultimately, I've taken the point of view that it's my responsibility for the quality of my life. Now, yes, certainly other people can do things that support that, but it is not required. I'm not relying solely on it. It's just an enhancement to it. And ultimately it's my job to move my life forward in the direction that I want to. So I could still hold people accountable, right? Just like in the business context. Okay. Yeah. You know, we can talk about the accountability of that, but ultimately, it's my job to manage my own state. And so then we get into a lot of um, kind of the detail of how that actually plays out. But something as simple as, you know, going from a reaction to someone's behavior which is conditioned to creating space and now responding from a place of responsibility. Right. And that's also where I use music, right? I use music to kind of create some space, right? Maybe I don't have that difficult conversation with the person right away in direct reaction and response, but I let a little time, whether it's an hour or a day or a week, whatever's appropriate in that context. And I just allow it to settle and i allow myself to ground and to think through it to feel through it i use music in that in that space and now i can approach the person have that difficult conversation right yes it's a challenging conversation but it's from a very different empowered place right and i'm moving my life forward and i'm taking responsibility for for my life in that sense right and and it's amazing where you can apply it. I mean, throughout your day, it's you know from the biggest things to um, you know to getting your coffee at Starbucks, and you know, and and there's always something that's going to trigger you somewhere, right? Um, and traffic, and you know, and all of it, and it's all this relationship with with you know how do I take responsibility, right, for this? And it and again, it doesn't mean right. We're not talking here about fault so much right? Yes, somebody could have done something that really sucks. Absolutely. But now what you do with that is all yours. It's all you. And that's really what what it comes down to. And the most effective people and the people with the most fulfilling lives and the most achievement, the most motivation, whatever metric you want to use, all have this sense of personal responsibility right over the moment over their lives over all of it right and and it 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 roots down like underneath this notion of taking this personal responsibility is right becoming more aware right of of all of it accepting the way things are and then taking action from that place right and those are kind of the 3 a's so to speak like this you know Becoming more aware, not just being reactive to something, but like taking a step back, creating some awareness around it, right? Then accepting however you're feeling. Like it could be really triggering you and just sitting with that and not trying to fight it. Accepting that, accepting the circumstance as it is, right? Oftentimes, the happening, the circumstance, the situation is really not going to be what you want. And so, If we resist it, if we fight it, right, we're giving it a lot of power. But if we accept it the way it is, doesn't mean we like it. It doesn't mean we want it that way. But you first have to accept the way it is. And then we can take the appropriate action. That's the third A. Right. And then we can move things forward from that empowered place, from a place of it's my responsibility to move this in the direction that I want to move it in then you can mobilize other people, then you can, you know, harness resources, you can do lots of things, but it's from a much clearer place. Um, So going through that process of awareness, acceptance, and action, um, it works, truly works miracles.
2: I love that. Thank you for sharing with us something so practical that we can apply because I feel like these concepts can be so simple, but Mm -hmm. It's a challenge to implement them and to practice them. And I really wish it's something that was taught in school, how to manage our thoughts and feelings, how to manage our reactions. And um, it is one of those things that's cumulative in both directions, right? If you go through life playing the victim mentality, you're negative all the time, it's cumulative. But once you start practicing managing your thoughts and feelings, taking this radical responsibility, it's a cumulative in a positive way, but it also spreads yeah. to others too. And and that's Absolutely. one of the things I talk about is whenever we are good about our own self-care, managing our thoughts and feelings, taking care of ourselves, it actually helps us be more productive. It helps us give more. Big if That's something yeah. that we're interested in. We can serve even more in a better way when we're able to take care of those things, even though it can be hard. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy. It's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water. And in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing. And a few days after that, you can start eating them. And it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them. And they're really happy that you're eating them. And your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't want to have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out. You can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass. You can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. they so cute and they're health promoting so you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful i also use them for garnish when i'm making soups and salads and different bowls you can impress your guests but like i said it's going to be low energy cost on your part and it's actually not that expensive either the other thing that i use from hamama is a green onion growing kit which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste so you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root the white part at the bottom you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows and then you can keep eating the same green onions you just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food so if you want to give it a try you've been curious about Microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing! Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? join the Planscription. The Planscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week, but that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q and A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you wanna join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this Plantastic community.
1: Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, absolutely. And, and it's got to be simple, right? Because if it's, if it's too hard to do, if we have to suddenly you know, stop and figure out a differential calculus equation and then take action, whatever, you know, we'll never do it, right? So it has to be something simple that anyone, everyone, at any time, at any moment can do. And actually, it gets even easier because like any muscle, right, we strengthen it. So for instance, this reaction versus responding muscle is something that actually gets easier and easier to do because you catch yourself, right? You catch yourself responding, right? Because emotion is immediate. It's the body's response, right? It's chemical. It's hormonal. It's like you can't help, but the, the emotion just happens. But then we can actually, now through awareness, we can say, oh, wow, look at my heart rate is elevated. Look at my my hair is standing up. My um, uh, I, I feel a bit flushed. I feel um, kind of the surge of adrenaline, right? There's something chemically happening in my biology, right? And that can then show you, okay, there's something that's triggering you here, right? You could feel that and you can bring your awareness to that. And then that could be the sign of, okay, now is a time to step back, not, not lean forward, but take a step back, process it, accept it, see what's going on. And now take action from a very different place, right? A place of responsibility, not of reaction, yeah. right? So, though, simple. Anyone can do it. It's just building that muscle. Of yeah. It.
2: And one thing that I found has been really helpful for me is the times that we mess up, because we will. Because, you know, there's yeah. going to be times when you don't take that space and you just react and you say something that might have not been the best thing or that you wanted to say. Is not sitting in that shame of it. Instead, just evaluating: okay, how? Why did that happen? What can I do next time? And believing that you can get better at it, you know. Because if you're, if you believe, oh well, this is just the way I am. This is how I'm always going to be. Then you're just going to sit in that shame and guilt, and you're not going to be able to change it. It's more like, oh man, I screwed up. Okay, next time, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to practice doing it this way. So,
1: and you know, the the magic of messing up, so to speak, uh, is. Is, there's actually a real opportunity there, and part of this whole notion of radical responsibility is also cleaning stuff up, right, quickly and with responsibility, and saying, "Hey, I know I said that. I know I did that. I'm truly sorry. I know this is probably how it made you feel, but no, this is you know what's going on for me, and how can I fix it? How can I repair it, right? And how can I do something to do it differently?" Um, that actually being able to clean it up in that way. Here's the thing. It turns out that it actually makes the relationship with that person deeper and stronger than before you messed up. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? Like you just messed up, you hurt the person. And now by properly cleaning it up, whether it's apologizing, or whatever, however that looks like, you actually will have a deeper relationship with them now. That's what's so beautiful because that's the human side of it. Because we all are gonna mess up, it's part of being human. It's a question. It's a question of what's the quality of the cleanup.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. Do we just do we blame someone else? Do we like you know? Do we do we just push it away, or do we like lean into it and like communicate about it and then like clean it up, heal it. And now we have a stronger bond, right? It's like it's like muscle that tears and then when it heals, it's stronger, right? Same kind of yes, thing.
2: Absolutely. That's such a beautiful concept and something I had to learn during parenting as well because you'll definitely have Ooh. those days where your tolerance is low and you yell at your kids. And one thing that I've learned is you, know, you take a step back, you talk to your kids and you're like, dude, I'm sorry, mommy lost it today. I shouldn't have done that. Um, I apologize and you know you <laughs> yeah. know th- but then also your kids realize that they also don't have to be some sort of perfect human being like there's no such thing as a perfect human being and when they have those flubs in life they also have the opportunity to do that cleanup so thanks for reminding us about mm. that really briefly i don't want to leave out this no dream left behind philosophy can you briefly tell us what that means
1: you know i've always had so many interests um you know across many different areas and you know i also had this conditioning from my perception of society right which is you no know, focus on one thing right and you know become an expert in that one thing and it just never sat right with me you know and i was like i but i have this curiosity and this passion for so many different things and um and i started to realize like two really important things the first is that To feel this fulfillment, um, to feel the benefits of creativity, right? Real innovation and creativity comes from actually connecting dots between disparate disciplines, right? That's where the new thing happens. And so having multiple interests can have tremendous benefit. So that's That's one thing that really helped me in leading a life where I was able to maintain kind of many interests. And then the other thing was understanding that, you know, I can have this rich full life, right? Something I call no dream left behind, right? This idea that kind of like, you know, like in the army, like no man left behind kind of thing. Right. And, and to me, I really like could visualize that, right. I was like, like we all have dreams and then at some point in life we look back and it's like you see this field of like you know fallen dreams that we just never you know never realized or fulfilled or tried in any way and that was like was such so disheartening to me to to have that so you know we want to move things from dream state to reality state even if they don't work out at least we we gave it a shot and so Uh, I I felt like that was an important kind of ethos to have um, across the board. And the real key there is permission, to give ourselves permission to actually do the things that, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be focusing on your parenting. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should focus on your business. Right. And and by the way, there's not always others that are telling us that most often we tell ourselves that, like, no, I can't start that business because I should spend more time with the kids. And so there's especially in today's day and age with technology and, you know, the remote working and all these things that are actually we can use to our benefit. Right. We can pursue the things that in decades past would have been much more challenging. And it's not always about doing it at the same time as everything else. but as you know, short as life is, it's also pretty long. And we can pace things the right way. We can put balls in the air that will you know, will crest and fall in some period of time when we're able to catch it. And it doesn't mean it's tomorrow, but it means we can get a process going, right, and touch it every day or every week. And suddenly, with the accumulation effect, right we can actually make a tremendous amount of progress that we can reap five years, ten years down the road and It seems hard to grasp that when you're first starting, but that is how things work right That is how things grow, and so you know anyone who has a kid knows that they, they can't even believe how quickly suddenly they like where did the time go and that's just how life is in all areas right it's it's the small amounts of quality time, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, in accumulation, in aggregation, that make all the difference. Whether it's learning a language, learning an instrument, Right, which everyone wants to do. I, have you ever met someone who's like, "I would never want to learn another language. I will never <laughs> want to learn another instrument." No, everyone's everyone has this. Like we're all we have these commonalities. Uh, maybe for one person it's the piano, another person it's the guitar, another person it's the bassoon. Who cares? But we all have the things we're pulled towards. We some people want to learn Chinese, some people want to learn sp- Spanish, and some people want to learn French because they want to go to Paris and order in a French restaurant and feel like a local. Great, pursue the dream. But it doesn't have to be you immerse yourself in, you know, live in Paris for six months. Not everyone can do that. No, you can take an online class that you can do for 10 minutes a day on your app, right? So, but it's about... Having the big picture in mind so that you do and take those steps each day and having that that discipline and that vision for your own life. yeah, And that's leading a no dream left behind life.
2: I love that because I'm definitely a multi-passionate person as well, and I have so many things I want to do but i do see them people stopping themselves because they think it's too late i'm too old i'm too whatever right. and it's never too late i mean there's some people that never. start pursuing their dreams when they're 80 so it's never too late and what you're saying right. is just get started put the ball in the air it doesn't have to be like perfect it doesn't have to be like you get it done right away but starting to pursue some of those dreams so you don't look behind you and you see all your dreams strewn about, never addressed. Oh, that's so sad.
1: Yeah, totally. Let's well, let's avoid that. <laughs>
2: Murray, what do you wish more people knew?
1: Oh my, you know, I, I think I wish most more people knew that, and it's, it's a thing that when I when I realized it changed me. So I, I wish more people knew that they didn't have to believe all their thoughts. And I think that's the number one thing that gets in people's way is their own thoughts. And the moment we realize that, hey, that voice in my head is actually not me. It's just a thought. Like anything else, it's just something that arises and falls away. And it's when we cling to it and attach to it that it could become a real problem. And we don't just let it do what it actually just wants to do, which is just the energy comes up and falls away. But we we grasp it and we won't let it go, right? Because it triggers us emotionally in some way or it triggers a fear or whatever. So I, I wish more people knew that they didn't have to believe all their thoughts.
2: Yes, Ugh, so wise, so wise, I love that one. Do you have a morning
1: routine? I have modified my morning routine over time. I've tried lots of different things. I'm the kind of person that, no matter how good it is, I can never do the same thing all the time because I just I just need variety and I need to have creative expression. But there are of course certain things that are go to, and I'll I'll kind of play with them, you know, throughout the week. Um, the most important one, though, I will say is. Space empty space in the morning, and that is something I'm religious about, and I really don't schedule things right away in the morning uh in terms of meetings and and that that kind of thing, um, but I create space in the morning where there's nothing scheduled, and I'm just able to be with my own kind of thoughts and that's where so many of my creative ideas come from, in that deliberate space. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's there's other things. Whether it's, you know, breathing. Um, I love doing breathing when I wake up first thing, uh, like deep breathing. It's really important. Uh, and uh, but that's the most important thing is just creating some empty space. I love that. In terms of things like exercise and, you know, I'm, I'm more of a later day, later in the day exercise person. Um, so I do that usually at the end of the day for me, that works better, but everyone's different. Um, and um, uh, I like to sit with my, with my coffee in the morning or my tea, depending on what I'm, what I'm feeling. And just, you know, and to me, that's not a social thing. It's like that, that is a personal time for me. It's a personal ritual. It's a personal time. Um, And hopefully I'm near nature and I can do that outside. Uh, But if not, then it's just about, you know, having that space.
2: It sounds luxurious because right now I'm at a time in my life where my life is so overscheduled that having empty space, like, I'm salivating at that idea.
1: <laughs> Someday
2: <laughs> I will be able to go back to having a little bit more empty space in my life.
1: You, you have to fight for it. Yeah. You do. You have I, to fight oh. for it. I, it's not. I know it's not easy because the, the, the calendar. You know our, our schedule. It's like a. It's like an empty suitcase on a vacation, right? Like you'll fill it up. Like no matter how you could be going away for two days, and no matter how big the suitcase is, you'll fill it up. Yes. You know. So that you have to defend. Your calendar, defend it at all costs.
2: (laughs) I love that (laughs) analogy, defend the calendar. Murray, this has been fantastic. You have so many amazing things to share. And I'm so, so happy that you came on the podcast today. I'd love to know where listeners can connect with you and tell them about how to find your concerts, what other products you offer. Tell us about all the things.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we do, um, of course, in-person piano concerts, on the beach, in parks, in wonderful places, uh, coast to coast. Uh, you can find out the schedule at mindtravel.com, mindtravel.com. And we post our schedule there. Uh, a lot in Southern California, a lot in Miami area, Florida, Fort Waterdale, a lot in New York area, New Jersey. Like So there's a lot going on. Um, you can even make a trip. To some of these amazing destinations there's a lot of great reasons to go to Miami or to Los Angeles or new york and and time it with a concert and just make it part of your experience. So I welcome each and every one of you to to join us in a mind travel experience um, and then, for those that are traveling a lot or live in different places, we do it virtually and you know we started doing this in during the pandemic, and we 've continued it because it 's so powerful. And we come together twice a month. We do a walking meditation. You know, there's nothing healthier for your physicality and your emotionality than walking. It's so simple, like we said before, simple, 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 but effective. And so we come together virtually, and um I guide the experience with music and guided uh, narration and poetry uh, all on a different theme each each month. And we come together virtually and do that. And everyone is welcome to join that. And, and I also do a concert for my living room once a month so that you can just curl up on your couch um, with your favorite blanket or your partner or your loved one or your kids or whoever, and just enjoy the music and just enjoy the, uh, the wonder of it and and you know see, see the experience um, that way. So uh, I invite you to, in person or uh, virtually. And all of it is on mindtravel.com.
2: Oh, that sounds amazing! Yeah, uh, I love the sound of all of it—the uh, outdoor stuff and the couch time. <laughs> I love the couch. That's uh, right. It's important you, to have, we we have us, you ha- yeah. can't forget to <laughs> include the pets because I would definitely have my dog with yes. me too on my favorite blanket. So
1: Ab- absolutely.
2: Okay, as we close out, if you could leave us with your top three tips for embracing radical responsibility to live a purpose-driven life.
1: You know the the, the first thing when any situation happens. Right, that triggers us, right? And we want to impose radical responsibility in that moment, right? The first thing is to ask the question, right? What can I do to actually move this forward in a healthy way? Right? What's going to actually be effective? The second thing is, what is the other person's experience? Try to put yourself in their shoes right? That really helps. And of course, the third thing is to not take it personal. And if we combine those, then we'll be in a really great place to be able to dissolve things that trigger us, actually help the other person, and most importantly, help ourselves move forward in our lives in the direction that we want in a healthy way.
2: Ugh, I love that. So practical, so actionable. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I feel like I've smiled more like consistently than any other interview. This has been really beautiful. I've just loved hearing about your journey. I've loved hearing more about music and everything that you do. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and with the world. And I can't wait to come to one of your concerts. And I hope that you have a plantastic day.
1: Thank you, Dr. Yami. It was really delightful.